It was a long journey. To where I'm at today did not happen overnight. First in the beginning, I was experiencing panic attacks. I felt like I was completely debilitated in my ability to make decisions. I questioned everything. I had tied so much of my identity to my job, my title, my income, who I was as a parent, as a wife, as a daughter. March 8th, I lost my mom to suicide. Right as I was in the midst of mourning her loss and trying to find a way to cope with it and put together her celebration of life, a day before my flight was supposed to depart to go back to California is when the pandemic struck and everything shut down. So lastly, what happened was the company that I was with went through a major acquisition by a, a bigger company. And I, I found myself in a very, very toxic work environment that ended up, I left the company. And so all of these events, life-changing events, happened within a six-month period. This episode of the Kintsugi Podcast is brought to you by Pause, Breathe, Reflect which can help you bring mindfulness to your everyday moments. Hey there, it's Michael, and this is the Kintsugi Podcast. When we see an iceberg, what do we see? just the tip, right? But we know the biggest part of the iceberg is what lies beneath the water surface. And unless you're a scuba diver, you'll probably never see the biggest part of the icebergs you see. So based on what we see of the iceberg, just the tip, we begin to assess it. Us humans, we tend to do the same thing with our fellow humans. Judge the tip of the iceberg we see without truly seeing what's underneath the water surface. This week, with our guest, if you looked at her website or social media, the tip of the iceberg that we all share, you might think, She's had a pretty charmed life. It can appear that she has it all. What could she possibly know about resilience, about cracking, and coming back together in our Kintsugi spirit? Through our conversation, her story of connection, you'll hear about her life and all the things below the water surface that has shaped her into the person she is today, a difference maker, a partner, a mom, a business leader, a like-hearted human. You'll hear about her moments where she cracked, but with her grit, tenacity, and resilience, she found a way to connect, come back together. So if you're ready, settle into a comfortable position. Take a healthy breath in 
in a slow, releasing breath out. And take in this week's story of connection with Danielle Kobo. Hey, Danielle. Hello. I'm so happy to see you. And it's so cool that you're wearing one of our Ripple Kindness shirts. I am. You're looking good in it. So you wear it well. Thank you. I thoroughly enjoy my shirt. You can spread kindness everywhere. Absolutely. And we're sitting down during World Kindness Week. So it's a perfect t-shirt to wear. So we're going to start here. I always love asking people this question when I interact with them during the course of the day. So we'll start here. What's one good thing that's happened for you today before this moment, before we sat down and started our conversation? So actually, this week, my book came in. And tomorrow, I am going into my kids' school for Great American Teach Day. So I get to come in and talk about writing a book. And so this morning, I ordered little journals and pens for first graders to have the tools to write their first book. That is so cool. And congratulations on your book coming in. I know that's a big moment. There's a lot of like wringing of one's hands as you write it. So to have it come in is pretty cool. And hey, if you can impress a group of first graders, like look out, this is going to be a bestseller. Yeah, I believe it might be a little bit easier to impress adults than it is first graders. I'm not coming in with bells and whistles and toys, but I am going to be coming in with some journals with motivational sayings and phrases on them, and hopefully they'll be able to start their journey of writing their first book. All right. That's very cool. I love it. Definitely let me know how that goes after you get done with it tomorrow. So for people who don't know who you are, if we take your profession off to the side, so the stuff that you do professionally, how would you describe who you are? I am an ambitious go-getter that loves being a mom to thrill-seeking twin boys and serving our country by being a military spouse. That's a great answer. That's awesome. Yeah, twin boys. Yeah, after they spend a day at school and then karate camp, they come home and we create obstacle courses in the evening that they've got to go through to try to burn out that remaining energy pent up inside them. Maybe there's a future for them in like track and field or cross country. Just let them run and burn off all those calories and all that energy. So, well, that's a really cool way of describing yourself. That's awesome. As you think about your life, are there first principles or values that you use to align your life? I probably could take a guess that there are ones related to grit and resilience and tenacity and energy, but I want you to fill in the blanks. What are those first principles that help you align your life? My core principles are take care of you, take care of your family, then take care of your business. And that's always kind of the alignment that I've taken my life and my professional life. And when it comes to my core values, it's always being in alignment with trust, integrity, honesty, having a growth mindset and grit and faith and family. That's good. That's awesome. So when you think about like taking care of you first, how do you do that? Because you have a very vibrant business, which we'll get into here in a bit. You're a busy mom, a devoted partner to your husband, and you're also involved in your community. So one, how do you find time to actually take care of yourself? And like, what's your go-to? 
Well, I'm going to put the misconception out there that it's easy because a lot of times people will say, well, how do you do it all? And I will always say, I wouldn't say that it's easy. It's just that I have a quickly, I'm able to identify the signs early on when I'm burnt out and then implement boundaries in place to prevent the burnout. So for example, the other day I was starting to notice, wow, I'm feeling pretty exhausted. I'm, I'm working all day. I'm helping out with the kids in the bedtime routine and homework. And then in the evening, I was kind of going back to work. And I then quickly realized, why am I burning myself out? Although there is this extreme passion and perseverance and and helping my business succeed and the launch of my book and helping other people as well. I also recognize that sometimes I'm saying yes to a lot without saying yes to me first. And most recently I I kind of looked at my schedule coming up and I'm going, wow, I am I am saying yes to things during the time that is my family time or during me time. So a lot of times we look at our calendar and we will say Yes, I have time because maybe there's not something on our calendar specifically, like a particular meeting. I look at my calendar and say, okay, well, this time is dedicated to myself. This is my meeting with myself. And, and I believe that's really important that we are, we are allocating and we're being intentional about the time that we have for ourselves because we can't pour into others if we're pouring in from an empty cup. If I'm burnt out and stressed, we often will become irritable, angry, we will be short with others. And that's not going to be a good being a parent. It's not going to be a good spouse, or we're not going to be showing up as the best employee or a leader. So being intentional about setting time dedicated to recharging and resting and pouring into ourselves is important so that then we have the energy to support our family. And I put the family second And this may be contradictory to some how business people will or business owners may approach, but I believe that it's going to be pretty hard to focus and be mentally present at work if our family is in disarray at home. And so that's why you've got to take care of you, your family, and then your business. I so appreciate what you just said because, yeah, the well, the thing is at work, the leaders will say, you know, you got to take care of your family. There's a lot of like, we want to take care of you. And then there, the action is, well, you got to do the work, right? And so it, it can be so confusing, I think, to employees nowadays. It's like, I, I want to pour into my own cup, you know, put my own oxygen mask on first, all the things that people hear that they should do. I also, hey, as a first principle, I'm a provider for my family. So I want to make sure I'm providing for my family. I want to, I want to make sure my family's taken care of. But I hear different messages from my bosses at work that I have to like never shut it off. And it's not necessarily overt. Maybe sometimes it, it is, but it's just ever so subtle. And we can't seem to pull away from the computer or put our phone down to do the work that can help, you know, nurture our family and nurture ourselves. And so we're in this. We're in this pretty vicious loop. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're close to burnout in a whole bunch of different sectors and a whole bunch of different communities, not only across the US, but really across a lot of the world. I love what you just said there. It's so, it's so vital to spend some time making sure that you're letting go of any stress that you're holding. Because when we snap, we always snap right in front of the people that we love the most, right? Like our kids do something or our partner does something and then we snap and they cry and then we cry and then we beat ourselves up for being a bad partner or a bad spouse or a bad parent. And uh, 
it gets a little old pretty quickly, right? It absolutely does. And, and when you talk about there's this perception sometimes that is either created by the leadership team or by ourselves that sometimes we create that we need to be on or we need to be responsive at all times. I remember there was a period when I was working in corporate, I was a Fortune 500 senior sales, graciously being so vulnerable and saying that she is burnt out. And all of us looked at her and said, thank you for sharing because we are as well. And collectively, we came up with this agreement that since then, it's been years, but since then, I've kind of always tried to live by, which is once 5.30 hits, I will intentionally not send an email to anybody or there is a feature in Outlook where I will delay delivery of the email to anybody. So even if there's times where I'm on the road and I choose to work late because I'm on the road, so it gives me more time with my kids when I am home, I will delay delivery of the email so that my team was not getting pinged at all hours of the evening so that they didn't feel like they needed to respond right away. Because the reality is in business and in life, there's always something that, that's on the to-do list, always. We can continue to go on forever and feel like we can never shut it off. But it's important for us to establish some boundaries. And sometimes those boundaries are, unless it is an emergency, I'm going to take my work phone and I'm going to put it in my office and I'm going to dedicate this time to recharging and resting and taking care of me and my family so that I can be productive when I return back to work. Yeah, perfect. I love that. I love that. So I'm going to take us back a little bit before we get too far into work. I love, along with my wife, we love good couple origin stories. So can you share, Danielle, how you and your husband met? My husband and I met when our early 20s at the orthopedic surgeon's office. All right. And we were sitting in, I like to think that I was training for the Olympics and I was to become an Olympic gold medalist in snowboarding. And I was going off of a box and I was doing a trick uh, while snowboarding. Clearly, I really wasn't that good because I ended up breaking my arm and I was in the casting room. My husband, on the other hand, and my, he was obviously, I just met him at the time. He got his foot ran over by a limo. Now, don't ask me how that happens. Yes, clearly he thought he was going to be responsible while he was out enjoying his 20s and he got his foot ran over by a limo. So we meet in the casting room and the doctor is looking at me and looks at him and says, hey, kind of nudges me like, check him out. Goes to him and hey, check her up. And we kind of meet eye to eye. However, he was wearing his football high school shorts. So I thought that he was younger than me. I thought I was going to be like, here's this high schooler jailbait trying to check me out. No way. And then a week later, we're at a bar and on Valentine's Day in Laguna Beach, California, and this guy wobbles up to me and he goes, hey, aren't you the woman from the casting room? And my first question was, yeah, how did you get in here? You're not 21. Do you have like a fake ID? Come to find out he's two years older than me and the rest is history. That's great. He's just sporting his high school wardrobe. Mm-hmm. That's a good story. I like that. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That's a good one. I haven't heard a casting partnership origin story yet. So that's perfect. All right. One last question as we get to know you. Is there something that your parents or your mom or your dad said to you when you were younger that's still with you today? I wouldn't say that it's something that my mother said, 
but it's what my mother modeled for me. My mom, when I was five years old, so she was a single mom. She was going to school to get her bachelor's degree. She was working as a server at a restaurant. So what my mom modeled for me and which has always stuck with me is that anything is possible with dedication and action. And that perseverance, that determination, that grit, that resilience was all modeled for me because we went, had a lifestyle where we were living in a one-bedroom apartment. My mom barely can make ends meet. We're shopping at thrift stores. My bed is in the living room because I didn't have my own bedroom as a young kid. And then fast forward several years after that, she became a manager at one of the top 10 pharmaceutical companies in the world in the early 90s. So my mom went from nothing and made something about of herself. So I wouldn't say it's something specifically that she said, but it was her actions that always resonated with me. I love that, Danielle. With that answer, I feel like I know you even better now. You know, when I see you and all your charge and all that you're doing, now with that answer, I can't help but think that you're channeling a lot of your mom. Absolutely. A lot of my, like I said, those core characteristics of grit, determination, perseverance, my mom modeled for me. So I got to see what was possible. And I see that every day when I continue to push forward or when I look back and think about the hard times and that you can make it through on the other side. Yeah. So let's talk about the hard times because as a show, we talk about the Kintsugi art form and how pottery breaks and the fact that we as humans, we break too, or at least we crack. Uh, and even though we break, we're not broken, uh, sort of that concept. We're still, we still have fullness. We're still worthy, but we do crack sometimes. We break sometimes. And so the last four years have been challenging for all of us in different ways. Same storm, maybe a different boat. So I want to take us back to 2020 because that was a big year for you. A lot, a lot happened. And I didn't know if you would feel comfortable bringing us back to that year and just sharing a little bit of what you experienced in that very first year of the pandemic. 2020 was one of those years that I believe for all of us where there was a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know what the future was going to bring. We didn't know how long the pandemic was going to last. But that uncertainty for me started right within the first week of 2020. The first week of 2020, my husband has was on the tail end of serving a year deployment in Iraq. And I was on the phone with him one day. And as I'm on the phone with him, I hear this background announcement. And it says, incoming, incoming, take cover, take cover, accountability, accountability. And that voiceover that I was hearing in the background was in reference to the fact that a missile was hitting his base. So the first week of January, my husband's base was hit by 13 missiles in Iraq. And I was very grateful that a week after, it was two weeks after that, he was able to make it home. He was on one of the last flights that was able to make it home, which was excitement. And then it was met with some challenges because before he had left, our twins at the time were a year and a half old. So now he's coming back and they're two and a half years old. They went from cribs and bottles and learning to walk to toddler beds, eating with a fork and talking back to him. <laughs> and that was, that was a big shift for us. He went from a war zone to now terrible two tantrums. And right as we were trying to kind of find our groove and find our new way of, of living together as a family, March 8th, 
I lost my mom to suicide, which was very unexpected. And right as I was in the mix of mourning her loss and trying to find a way to cope with it and put together her celebration of life, a day before my flight was supposed to depart to go back to California is when the pandemic struck and everything shut down. So flights, I couldn't go and and sort through my mom's things. I couldn't go and plan a funeral for a celebration of life for her. So life just kind of felt like it was at a standstill for me. And there were so many questions that I had that were unanswered. And then add on to it the uncertainty of the pandemic. And my kids, my twins are immune compromised with respiratory. So there was those kind of the fears that, that lied within. And then the, the lastly, what happened was the company that I was with went through a major acquisition by a, a bigger company. And I, I found myself in a very, very toxic work environment that ended up, I left the company, people that had been with the company for 25, 30 years ended up leaving the company. And so all of these events, life-changing events happened within a six-month period. That is a lot to handle. I just, you know, just create some space here. You know, your husband comes back. One, you're a single mom. You're a single mom for his deployment. Your twins, are, you know, you're going through all the feels and all the moments of that age. You know, as a girl dad times two, we went through that period of their lives, although separated by three years, right? So you had two going on. So he comes back. He, My hunch is talking to other people who served during that period of time is that he was grateful to come home, but he also had a part of him as like, my brothers, my fellow soldiers are over there. I should also be with them to support them. So imagine there's a, a whole bunch of transition happening for you as a family. The tragic passing of your mom, which I am so sorry to hear about, uh, right as the pandemic hits and then all the uncertainty and then throw in the job, you know, throw in the health of your boys. How did you manage that? It was a long journey to where I'm at today did not happen overnight. First in the beginning, I was experiencing panic attacks. I felt like I was completely debilitated in my ability to make decisions. I questioned everything. I had tied so much of my identity to my job, my title, my income, uh, who I was as a parent, as a wife, as a daughter. And my mom, even though my mom was a, a huge influence and role model in my life, my mom and I also had some challenges. And my upbringing, it was not an easy upbringing. My mom had some mental health challenges. And so there was also so many questions that were unanswered. And I felt lost and confused. And it took some time to take a pause and breathe <laughs> and take a moment to just take a pause and breathe and then reflect back on my life and reflect back and what led to where I'm at today and who do I want to be tomorrow? Because just because I defined my life and who I was one day doesn't mean that that needs to be the same definition tomorrow. And so I stopped thinking about what do I want to do? And I started reframing my mindset into who do I want to be and what legacy do I want to leave behind? So how did you go about doing that in like practical sense? We hear about this a lot, like, okay, well, you know, we're going to shift our perspective and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, can shift my perspective. And then it's like, wait, wait a second, wait, wait, well, how do I do that? Because nothing stops for you, right? You still have the job, you're still a mom, 
you're still a grieving daughter, you're still a partner to your husband, you got all that going on. And now you want to shift your perspective and change your identity, which probably a newsflash here, you want to change, but maybe not everyone else in your life wants you to change. Mm-hmm. We want you to be the same Danielle, the one that we know. And what's all this talk about changing? So from a practical perspective, how did you go about doing that, shifting your perspective into what I hear from you, a new way of thinking about who you are? So there's several steps that I actually share. There's an entire chapter on rediscovering what success means to you and rediscovering who you get to be when going through change and uncertainty. But three simple steps that I took right from the beginning was I did pause. I had worked full time since I was 16 years old in high school. And it was the first time that I gave myself permission to take a pause and not immediately pour myself back into looking for a job. Because I knew that if I didn't take a pause and to really do the inner work, I would be bringing that that baggage almost from the hurt and the pain and into whatever I was going to be doing. So the first step I took was a pause. The second one was I went on to Facebook, ironically, and I had posted something. I had made a post and I said, if you were to describe me in three words, what would it be? And comments just started pouring in. And it was empowering, motivating, resilient, encouraging, inspiring, gritty. And all these words started to pour in. And then the second post I said was, if I've impacted or influenced your life in a positive way, please share how. And I did that because I wanted, I wasn't seeing the positive characteristics and traits and the unique traits within me that other people were seeing in me. And that was part of that self-reflection in the discovery of who I am. And then I took all those words. And the third step that I did was I wrote my own obituary. It's an interesting exercise. It's an interesting exercise. But I wrote it from two perspectives. One from a colleague's perspective and one from my family and friends. And I started to incorporate the words that people were using. And anytime that I am making a decision in my life or anytime that I am pursuing a particular goal, I always go back to when I wrote that obituary, I look at what is the legacy that I want to leave behind as a parent, as a spouse, as a family member, as a colleague. And and that's the driving force and the motivation and decisions that I make and how I show up in the world. All right. Let's take a break. Take a full breath in and a slow releasing breath out. And relax the body as you soak up our conversation. Ah, I hope that felt good. Okay, now that we're a little bit more relaxed, can we be real? I think our morning routines, well, they've gotten a little out of control. You might not have time in the morning to meditate because you're busy doing other things like trying to get to work or getting the kids off to school. And this is where my app, Pause, Breathe, Reflect, comes in because I built it for busy people with a whole bunch of shorter practices. So if you don't have 10 minutes in the morning to meditate, cool beans. 
You're human after all. But I bet you have five times throughout the day when you have two minutes to practice and let go of stress and bring mindfulness to your everyday moments. So today, download Pause, Breathe, Reflect for free and begin to stress less, sleep better, and join a community of like-hearted humans rippling something worth rippling into the world. All right, let's go back to our conversation and celebrate the Kintsugi within us all. Do you know the writer David Brooks? No, I do not. So David Brooks, he writes for the New York Times. He's written uh, several books, all New York Times bestsellers, I think. He has a relationship with the New York Times. Conspiracy, I don't think so. He's a good writer. He writes for other publications too, maybe The Atlantic. But this goes back a number of years, but he wrote something. It might have just been a column really around the question, are you living your eulogy or are you living your resume? And so what came up for me as you were sharing this exercise of writing your obituary is almost stepping into, I want to live my eulogy. I want to, I want to live the impact I'm making in life. And I can only begin to imagine, Danielle, when you were reading that Facebook post, I'm sure you must have had a box of Kleenex nearby because all these people are just pouring into you at a time where it feels like you were fragile and maybe a little bit cracked or dare I say, even broken in some pieces. And here they're putting in so much, they're just pouring in love and sharing with you how you've made an impact on them. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. So can you share a little bit more about what that was like reading that post? I believe that a lot of times people see characteristics and traits in us that we don't see in ourselves. And I was very broken at that time. I was lost. I was confused. I had a lot of pain that I was battling. And and to read those words was that just little boost of motivation to keep going and to see what other people were seeing in me before maybe I was able to see it in myself. And in fact, I took those words and I turned them into a word cloud And then I put it on a piece of paper and I had that that I looked at every single day in the beginning until I started to really embody those words. And I found that to be extremely helpful because a lot of times they'll say, you know, write affirmations and tell yourself affirmations every single day. But what does it look like when those affirmations actually come from the people that know you and they're affirmations of what people see in you? Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. So what was your relationship with perfection like before all this happened? I would say that I am a recovering perfectionist. Okay. (laughs) You uh, suffered from perfectionitis uh, before all this happened, and now you have a, a different view of it. Yeah, my mom, like I had shared, my mom and I, there's a lot of qualities that I loved about my mom. My mom was in a lot of ways a role model for me in a positive way. I also shared that my mom also had some mental health, and I felt like I was always seeking her approval and always seeking, wanted to be loved by her. And it stems back, and this could probably be a whole other episode, but I'll just briefly share this with you, is my mom actually kidnapped me when I was two years old. 
My mom took me from my father, didn't tell my dad where I was. It took him a while to even find where I was, but I ended up not meeting him until I was 15 years old. So there was already this hurt of feeling like I was abandoned by my dad because I was told he took off on us. Then there's this, my mom was kind of highs of lows of bipolar disorder. And so there was a lot of uncertainty in my life. There was a lot of manipulation in my life. There was a lot of feeling like I wasn't loved and I wasn't worthy. And that kind of formed into perfectionism where I was constantly seeking the approval of her. I was constantly seeking the approval of others and at work. And it really prevented me from showing up as my authentic self because I was trying to conform to what other people wanted of me versus me just showing up as me and knowing that there's going to be some people that like me and there's going to be some people that don't like me. And that's okay. Yeah, the whole like concept of the fear of other people's opinions, just you're not going to be everyone's jam. And I do appreciate the shift you've made. It's so healthy. Because there's so many people, you know, my experience as a child, much different than yours, but still like if I thought I was performing in sports, I would have the love of my, my parents, right? So that whole, and I think a lot of, a lot of people grow up this way to say, Hey, only if I could be perfect, then it's a guarantee I will be heard and seen and loved and not feeling comfortable just being who we are and knowing that that is enough to be heard and seen and loved. So let's pick up the story. So you've gone through what is an incredible six months in 2020. You have gone through some of the the starting points, the starting exercises of doing some inner work or self-work. Share now, how did you get through it? Because if people just meet you now, they're like, Danielle looks like she's got it all working pretty good, right? She's got a successful business. She's got this book coming out, speaking. You know, the Instagram looks perfect. Everything looks fine. And let's just say we know that it's not always fine, regardless of what we put out there on the internet. No, it's not. But share more with us on how you you made this happen and how you stepped into the resilience that's within you, the grit that's within you to make this transformation. What's interesting about this this transformation was after I had taken some time to pause and I gave, I allocated like a dedicated couple months to just enjoy the holidays, to enjoy quality time with my kids before they kicked off going to VPK. And it wasn't until I started to kind of get back into, okay, I'm going to go look for a job. And the first step I took to go look for a job is I went on LinkedIn. I kind of abandoned it for a little bit because I had been with the company I'd been with for seven years. And I started to just share my insights. And again, it goes back to living out your legacy. And here I had, I was on LinkedIn and there were so many people that had lost their job. And I was like, you know what? I have experience as a hiring manager. I have experience as a leader. Why don't I just share some tips on how to build high-performing teams, on how to get a job, what hiring managers are looking for? And it started to evolve into a point where my community on LinkedIn started to grow. And people started to reach out to me and say, can I hire you as a career consultant? And I, you know, first I started helping some people and then that defining moment came When I was on the phone with a recruiter and this recruiter had said, Danielle, I have a job position for you. However, I see what you're doing on LinkedIn. I hear your passion behind what you're doing and helping people. I'd love to put you in this position, but I believe 
that you need to be doing the career consulting and speaking full time. Like that, this is what you're passionate about. This is what your calling is. As much as I'd like to put you in this position, I would encourage you to do it. And that was that defining moment where I said, okay, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to give myself time to build this business because if I don't, I'm always going to look back and go, what if? And I never want to be in a situation where I look back and go, what if? So within three years, and I would not say that it's an easy journey. Even this week has been a very, very full week where I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to balance it all. But it's ended up turning into a business where I do a lot of keynote speaking on grit and resilience, leading teams through change, burnout prevention and career development. I have a podcast, Unstoppable Grit Podcast with Danielle Kobo. I have my book coming out. And if you would have asked me three years ago that I would have a book coming out, a top-rated global podcast, and I'd be doing keynote speaking, I would say, who are you talking about? Who is this person you're talking about? But I'm so glad that I was that I was vulnerable enough to take the risk because my life is radically different and I am so happy. Well, I'm happy that you're happy. And that's another story too of someone seeing the skill and goodness within you that you might not have seen yourself in that moment. Here you are, you're just trying to pour into LinkedIn and trying to help people because you're about helping people. That's one characteristic that I love about you. Like you just want to serve, which is really cool. You don't get into sales leadership if you don't want to serve because the ego is not stroked enough in the jobs that you were having. That's a lonely job in, in sales leadership. As they say, it's lonely at the top and the higher you go, it gets lonelier and lonelier. So here is another story of someone seeing something in you. And so now you're at this point and all these people over the last three and a half years have poured into you saying, here's what we see in you, Danielle. Um, Here's how you've impacted us. Today, after going through all that you've gone through, do you see that in yourself now? I am starting to. I will say that there's been some moments over the past year. One moment where I noticed is I started to reach out for book endorsements. And I've I've received some great book endorsements from authors that I respect very much. And I remember just reaching out to some of them and it said, hey, I saw that you I saw your talk. I was present at one of your talks. It really inspired me. I enjoy the books. This is what resonated about them. Would you be willing to endorse my book? And what I learned in this experience is always ask, always ask. They can always say no or they can say yes. They ended up reading the book endorsing the book. And I remember this moment when I went to my husband and I said, I can't believe that John Gordon endorsed my book or Heather Monahan endorsed my book. These are people that I aspire to and I look up and I respect. And he looked at me and he says, why are you surprised, Danielle? Like you're always serving others. It's time for you to receive. And those moments happen. It's always kind of evolving. Sometimes I just, there's a lot of good that's been happening lately. And I kind of question like, how is this good stuff happening? But I believe that if you're always in servantship and you're always helping others, eventually it will come back and maybe it won't, but it sure does bring a lot of joy to help others when you are. It's the ripple of kindness that you put out into the world. And your husband's a good man, Charlie Brown, for saying what he said to you. Like, you know, like, listen to these people, believe them, so, like lean into it, own it. And if I was going to give you unsolicited advice, which I probably on the cusp of doing right now, I'd say own it as well. So you've earned it. Let's talk a little bit about your book. I don't want to give away all the secrets of it. 
because I want to encourage people to pick up a copy. So it comes out in a few weeks here at the end of February. So you talk about grit and resilience and a lot of other factors that lead to a successful career and a successful life. Can you share one or two things that the reader might be able to glean after getting your book? Yeah. So the book is filled with a lot of stories, not only my own personal stories, but some of the stories of my clients and stories of of my experience as a leader and what I've seen. But what readers will be able to gain from reading the book is how to define success in their own terms. Not what society says what success is, but what your definition of success is. And I go back all the way back to kind of what forms our definition of success based off of what we see in the media, what we read, what our upbringing is like. So I kind of give the foundation of maybe what's led to our, what we define success as currently, and then break it down into steps where readers can say, well, how am I going to define success? And that goes back to one of the exercises that I, the activities that I go through, which is creating your word cloud, writing your obituary. Uh, Readers will also be able to, once they're able to kind of define what success is, they'll be able to create their dream career. And whether that's starting a business, whether it is a promotion within their existing company, a lateral move, maybe going for a position at another company, but the goal is that they're walking away with confidence. They're walking away feeling empowered, inspired, and motivated to pursue what they want. And to be able to have not only a successful career that they enjoy and a balanced life, because I believe strongly, and I can share this from my own experience, that it is possible to have both. I agree as well, especially if you take the framing out a bit. So if you're in a particular moment, it's hard to have balance, harmony, whatever word you want to use. But if you stretch it out through a quarter, through a year, through a career, I think it's very possible to have balance and harmony. So I love that you are writing about that and also really helping other people define their definition of success because we try to step into what society wants from us. And then it takes us away from being our true selves or our authentic self. And when we're not living that way, we're in misalignment. And when we're in misalignment, things don't work as well. We're more stressed and we know something is wrong. We might not be able to name it, but there's just something, something off. So I want to finish up with a few of these questions. I don't want to call them rapid fire because, you know, there's a lot of rapid fire stuff out there. But for those that are listening, Danielle, you have a, um, a tattoo on your forearm. Mm-hmm. So what does that say? I love uh, stories of tattoos. Okay, so I recently got two tattoos and I finally went, it was a big move. I finally got them where they're visible. So I've had two tattoos for 20 years that weren't visible. Now I finally have some that are visible. All right, so share the share the visible one. We'll keep the private one private. Yeah, I mean, you'll see in a bathing suit, it's not anything crazy, but the one that's on my right arm says, rise up. And it was a song that I heard by Ben Fuller The song is Wide Awake. And he talks about walking through a desert and feeling like he was lost and he was uncertain. And he talks about how God took the key to his heart, his skeleton heart, cracked it wide open and told him to rise up. And I get goosebumps even thinking about this song because I remember this moment where I heard it for the first time. I'm driving in my car and I just broke down in tears. And I said, this song 
is speaking to me because it's exactly how I'm feeling right now, broken and lost and confused. And it was right in this moment where I started to really lean into my faith and trusting and surrendering to God that he had a plan for me and to be focused on living out his purpose versus living out what I thought my purpose was. So that's rise up. And then the other one on my other arm, it says, I love you more. And there's two hearts. And it's because every time I tell my boys goodnight, I say, I love you more. And then they say, I love you more too. I love that. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, it sounds like you're raising really good boys who will be really good men and emotionally strong and have emotional range to be able to, you know, start that early, you know, so they can be in touch with who they are and not feel like they have to step into society's definition of what it means to be a man. Absolutely. I think it's important for all of us to feel our emotions. Having emotions and crying and and being sad and frustrated and putting words to our emotions is important. It's not a matter of masking it or feeling like we need to show up all masculine. Yeah, there there's times to be tough and hard, but there's also times, especially when you're in a safe environment with your parents, to be vulnerable and to say that it's okay that I'm I'm having a hard time. Yeah. And tears are just another way to express emotions. So, you know, like, hey, I I'm a good crier. I can like match anyone crying. Like they're, you know, get me. Get me in front of a good movie and, you know, I'll be like, oh, it's allergies. And it's like, no, nah, it's really just dad's crying. <laughs> so here at Kintsugi, we love to celebrate scars as our golden symbols of resilience because they also tell a story along with some ink or some tattoos. So is there a scar? It can be physical. It could be emotional that when you look at it, it's like, yeah, that's, it tells a story of who I am that I am. I am tough. I am strong. Oh, I would say a physical scar. I did have a C-section for my kids, but the story behind that is I had an emergency C-section. My twin boys were born six weeks early and I was rushed to the emergency room because my water broke. And this again could be a whole other episode and I share the story in the book, but I went from having babies that were in the NICU and were on oxygen and, and breathing monitor, I mean, on heart monitors to two weeks after they leave the NICU being hit by a Category 5 hurricane. And I go into the details of that story in the book and the steps that I took to overcome. It sparked postpartum depression me, pretty severe postpartum. So I go into the steps of how I overcame it and how that helped me develop the tools to prevent and overcome burnout. But I would say that is a scar that I look at and go, I cannot believe I went through that experience. That's a beautiful scar. And it's also abdominal surgery, which is no joke, right? So, yeah. so just a recovery from it. Thanks for sharing that. Here as well, we believe mindfulness is medicine. So you've already referenced the power of pausing, breathing, and reflecting. Thank you very much. We also believe that movement is medicine. So when you move your body, do you have a preferred way of moving your body? My preferred way of moving my body is I really enjoy Pilates. Oh, yeah. I've never been a yoga person. I get very dizzy on it. But just having, just pausing and having movements that are steady and gracious, and it really helps with core strength and balance and just tone and definition. 
it's not a matter of, and it's a good way of also kind of to pausing because it's not as though you're running really hard or lifting weights aggressively. You are just strengthening through long engaged, long movements. I love it. No, I'm a big fan of Pilates as well. I used it a lot during my recovery from my whole thing. All right. So we also believe that music is medicine. So you already mentioned one song, but is there a song right now that when it comes on, you turn it up and you you sing at the top of your lungs as you're driving? Like, what's that song for you right now? Okay. <laughs> a little funny because it's probably counterintuitive to this Christian song that I had just shared. But my kids, I see my goal in life is to embarrass my kids at any time possible. So at one point, I want to show up at my kids' elementary school wearing a blow-up chicken costume with music and screaming around going, I am, and I'll my kid's name, and then their mom, just to embarrass them. And so uh, we jam out to Tiesto in the morning, and I try every way possible. I roll the windows down, I dance you know, silly just to make it fun and lighthearted. But now anytime I listen to Tiesto, I think of just having silly fun with my kids in the car on the way to school. That's good. That's a good, that's a good artist to jam out to. That's pretty good. I, I give you props for that. So, all right, one other, this is medicine question. So we believe that food is medicine. Food brings us together, helps us connect. Is there a go-to thing, a drink, a dish that just makes you feel good when you have it? I come from California, so some good old-fashioned Mexican food. I can have Mexican food every week. Are you a spicy gal or mild or? Spicy. Throw in some jalapenos in there and I am good to go. All right. That's perfect. All right. So we're going to get you out on this question. This is one that James Lipton, he used to host the Inside the Actor Studio. I'm not sure if you know that show. Mm -hmm. So this is a question. It sort of ties into your whole obituary exercise. So assuming that there is heaven and God exists, when you arrive at the pearly gates, what do you hope God will say to you? Hmm. I love you. Because at the end of the day, God's love for us is unconditional. And so sometimes we will, people will say we're undeserving of God's love. And to me, love is not conditional. Love is not whether you deserve it or not. Love is unconditional. It is no matter what happens, no matter what, just like he says, no matter what sins that we have, he will just love us unconditionally. So I hope when I show up, he just looks at me and says, I love you. That's a great way to end. Love is love is love. So Danielle, you officially embrace and embody the Kintsugi spirit. You've gone through a lot in your life. Uh, you've come back together stronger, more beautifully, and putting a wonderful ripple into the world. So on behalf of the world, I want to thank you for putting your ripple into it. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And what you're doing to spread kindness around the world and helping people live better lives. Oh, thanks. One last thing, because we want people to get your book and find you. How is the best way for people to find you? I'm on all social media channels, so I'm on every one, every platform. I'm majority of the time on LinkedIn. That tends to be my favorite social media platform. But they can also tune into the Unstoppable Grit podcast with Danielle Cobo and hear more about my story and then also your story because you were a guest on my podcast. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, check it out. So it was great to sit down with you. And I'm really psyched that we were able to uh, return the favor and have you on the Kintsugi podcast. So 
Well, have a beautiful evening, Danielle, and a good rest of your week. And uh, keep rippling something worth rippling. Thank you. I love Danielle's story and took away so many gems from our conversation. And I hope you did as well. So let me know what you're taking away from her story. You can send me an email or leave a comment at thekintsukipodcast.com. And as you might know, we like to do a short practice, just two minutes, based on this week's conversation. So if you're ready, settle into a comfortable posture. And as you do, you may wish to close your eyes or you can keep them open. And we'll drop in. We'll begin with a few healthy inhales. Breathing up through your nose if you can. And slow releasing exhales. Inviting this week's conversation to settle into you. Into your being. And as you come into the natural rhythm of the breath, I invite you to bring to mind someone you know that might rub you the wrong way. Nothing too extreme. Maybe a four or a five on a scale of ten. Someone who you might judge or may judge you. And as you bring this person to mind, begin to notice what you see at first. It might be part of your history with this person or some of their qualities or features. It's all the stuff that makes up their tip of the iceberg. And now see if you can create some openness, a softness or curiosity, knowing that there's so much more to this person than meets the eye. All the stuff that you can't see below the water surface. Appreciating that the lower part of the iceberg shapes the tip that you see. Seeing the wholeness of the person. Being curious. Appreciating they might have gone through a whole bunch that you're not aware of. All right. Nice job. I hope you'll take this curiosity, this openness with this person and begin to learn a little bit more about what story lies beneath the water surface for them. And they might, in turn, be more curious with you. 
I want to thank Danielle, and I hope you'll join me in giving of her time to share her story. I hope she inspired you to find the grit and resilience and tenacity that's within you that can help you do hard things because we can do hard things, especially when we do them together. So Danielle, thank you. Thank you.